you can be seated. That, that always sounds funny, so I know we have those who are joining us on YouTube, and you guys can be seated too, and if you weren't seated already. Uh, just some things take, take a little time to get used to. Um, one, of the, one of the things that we've changed uh, in all this, we've changed several things, but one is that we don't have connection cards. So uh, if you're a guest with us today, actually, uh, this is a good way for you to connect with us anyway. Uh, we've gone digital. Did you guys know that? So on the U version of uh, the Bible, if you have that app, that actually has our sermon notes on there. You can go on there. You can go down to the bottom, uh, click the little three lines on an iPhone that says more, and then you can go to events. And on events, we should be there. And it's got all of our notes. If you'll, you can see that, can't you, right there? So you can see that it's got the notes on there. But one of the cool things that that has, and I put this on our Facebook page as well, is it has a digital connect card. So if you click that uh, in a moment, uh, it pops up with a connect card. So you can connect with us. That has everything that our connect cards had that were in the back of the chair. So for those of you who are watching uh, on YouTube, don't feel left out. You can connect. It also has, if you make a decision uh, in, in a service, you can put that on there. Your decision might be, I want to speak with a pastor. Please let it be a pleasant visit if you, if you put that on there. Um, but it, 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 let me just say, so it lets us know if you're a first-time guest, a second-time guest, regular attender or a member, that you commit your life to Christ, you want to get baptized, you renew your commitment to Christ, become a member, join a small group, sign up to serve, including the worship team, right? So you can sign up to serve that way. Or if you want to speak with a pastor, you can, you can click all that. And we live in a weird day and age. You have to click a checkbox that says, I'm not a robot. So be sure and click that one. I don't know. I don't think it'll let you submit it if you don't. So that's our connect card. There's another thing I forgot to say in the first service. This is on our, our Facebook page. I'm sorry. It is on our Facebook page, also on our website. Um, anybody in here shop with Amazon? Anybody? Yeah, that's like our, Amazon's my buddy. It's like Christmas every day because I don't remember what I order when it comes. So when the UPS driver comes, well, you can go to our Facebook page, fbcclockcroft.org, and right on the front part of that, you can click that link. It says uh, shop uh, and Amazon give. So you can click that. It's on our Facebook page as well. When you click that, you go to Amazon Smile. I'll tell you how to get there just in case you can't remember to go click. It's smile.amazon.com. You shop just like you normally shop. Once you do that, if you click our link, it'll automatically put First Baptist Church as your uh, charity that it donates to. Um, but you, you do that, and then when you just shop, you just buy stuff, we, we just, it sends us little donations. It's not huge, but man, I tell you, as much as we shop on Amazon, that'll be nice. So we've been doing that for a while. I just keep forgetting to tell you about that. So those are two things. Our digital connect card, uh, you need to be sure you do. And then um, uh, shop Amazon through Amazon Smile. Designate our church uh, as the, the charity, and, and they'll give us little donations for that. But there's another big thing coming up, and I don't remember exactly what point in the first service I announced this. But um, so, so I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we're going to continue to meet in person. Uh, we're, we're just going to keep doing that. The, the bad news is, if you meet at this time, the first Sunday in August, you will be an hour late. So we're, we're going back to one service, and it'll be at 10. What we found is that our 9.30 service has been the, the, the uh, most best attended. Um, and, and I know e- even you're looking around here, and you say, well, if the 9.30 was more attended than this, there's not going to be room. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have almost this many seats in our overflow area down in the fellowship hall 
or my daughters like to say, you go to the basement and get down. Uh, get down. Okay, that's explain it to you later. Anyways, or you can continue for those of you who are watching on YouTube. We'll keep our live stream. It'll just shift to 10 o'clock. So we'll, we'll announce that, that we've got uh, today. We've got next week where we'll continue with two services. Uh, then we go back to one. That's always like a, a sigh of relief for the worship team because, um, well, or maybe not. You don't get that extra live practice. Um, but we, we just want to make sure you know that. We'll make sure that you know uh, moving forward. Well, we're in a, still in a series. We might be in a series for a good long time, which is okay because, you know, if you get stuck in God's Word, that's a good thing. Series in Luke, and it's entitled Luke. Um, actually, it does have a subtitle, Jesus Came to Seek and Save the Lost. Um, and, and I've enjoyed this study. This has been really fun for me because uh, it really, we can study and it just kind of builds on there. Luke is a great one, uh, one of the Gospels to study. Um, if you want something short, you go to Mark. Um, uh, John is an easy one to do. But Luke, I like because Luke is a detailed kind of guy. He's a doctor. He's a physician. Uh, Luke actually, uh, we, we talked about this in the very beginning of the series, traveled with Paul. He, he traveled... Um, with, with uh, John Mark and, and, and some of the, the others. Luke, however, was not one of the original 12 disciples. That, that, that shocks us, doesn't it? When you find out, because this is, if you just want to have fun with someone, say, hey, name the disciples, right? They're going to say, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you're like, already, well, you got half of them wrong. Um, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. John was a disciple of Jesus. But Mark and Luke were not. They were not one of the 12. Now, that surprises us a little bit. We think, well, how did they know what was going on then? Well, Mark was a disciple of Peter. So Mark wrote Peter's gospel, you know, the gospel according to Peter written by Mark, you could write in there. Um, and, and it's really fun. So uh, now some of you want to go home and read Mark. It's, a short, it's the shortest of all the gospels, so it's easy to do. Um, Mark, he doesn't leave out things. But, but Mark seems to be a little bit more favorable to some of Peter's blunders uh, than the other. Uh, maybe because he knew Peter was going to be uh, editing that. I don't know. But, but Mark writes it according to Peter's viewpoint. Well, Luke takes a whole different approach. Luke, this is after all the, the other Gospels have been written. In fact, Luke had the other Gospels except for John. He, he had uh, Matthew and Mark to, to look at. Luke investigated, he says that he set out to write an orderly account of the things that happened. He's writing to a man named Theophilus, and he says, I'm writing these things so that you can be certain of the things that you've been taught. So Luke includes a lot of detail, which makes it a lot of fun for us uh, as we, we dig into it. We're in Luke chapter 3. Uh, we've already encountered a couple of odd people. Um, Simeon, who the Holy Spirit told uh, Simeon uh, that he wouldn't die until he saw the coming of the salvation of the Lord. So uh, when they brought Jesus to the temple, Luke was there and Luke testified. I'm not Luke, Simeon. Boy, I get all mixed up. I'm going to mess Paul's name up in a minute. But um, so, so Luke writes in there that Simeon testifies to what God says and testifies that Jesus is the salvation, well, which is fun. You remember Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, right? Or the salvation of Yahweh. So he's testifying that Jesus is indeed the salvation of Yahweh and that Yahweh is salvation. And then you have Anna. Anna was a widow. She'd been widowed for many years. Um, and so 
she was 85, 84, 85. The Bible would call that advanced in years. That's what we say for women. Guys just get old, but women are advanced in years in the Bible. And she, she spent her time praying and fasting in the temple as a widow. What a neat, godly lady. She testifies. She's looking for really the, the redemption of Israel, the reconciliation uh, of Israel. And, and so two odd characters that we met already. Well, we get to our third one. And he's already been kind of introduced earlier. This is John. We call him John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptizer might be closer to what the original language talks about. John was a preacher's kid, <laughs> sort of. John's dad was a priest. And Zechariah was serving in the temple. He and his wife Elizabeth hadn't been able to have children. And Gabriel, the angel, came and told Zechariah in the temple, God has heard your prayers that you and your wife Elizabeth will bear a child, and his name will be John. That doesn't mean much to us. That just sounds like another handle for a person. John means that the Lord is gracious or the grace of the Lord. And so this comes about. They have John. Um, it, it, it's amazing just the, the John's birth. Um, Zechariah, don't ever ask God for a sign, by the way. I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't ask God for a sign. Zechariah couldn't talk for nine months. That was his sign. Um, until all this came about when he had when actually when elizabeth had john so so that kind of kind of brings us up to last week uh is really the beginning of john's ministry that uh chapter three verses one through six and john comes out and and really this is just talking about john he hasn't really spoken yet uh, but but luke quotes isaiah that says that john is a voice in the wilderness crying out make way or prepare the way for the lord and we talked about how sometimes we think sharing the gospel is like the whole thing that when we share the gospel that people come to faith in christ and last week we talked about how really there are kind of three parts to that or three activities uh, that happen in sharing the gospel one of them is planting the seed that sometimes when you share the gospel you're planting a seed in somebody's life and and, and that may that may or may not come to fruition usually not if it's the first one anybody ever Anybody have a garden? Anybody do that? Um, you plant a seed and, and you get a banana that day, right? That's, that's the way that works. No. So you plant the seed. Then Paul talks about uh, that. Paul says, I planted. And then it gets to the second one. He said, Apollos watered. We call it cultivating. Sometimes we're, when we're sharing the gospel, we're cultivating that seed that's been planted. And that takes a long time sometimes. Um, Zechariah, I'm sure, was counting uh, the months as he couldn't speak for nine months uh, before John was born. And, and um, I, I know Hope planted some seeds and it's been a couple of months now, right? And they're like an inch and a half tall. Um, you know why they're called forget-me-nots? Yeah, don't forget to water them. That's, that's what it is. So we know that sometimes cultivating the seeds and sharing the gospel takes a long time. We know for some years. And then there's the, the final one. Uh, jesus talks about he said you know there's still four months yet and then the harvest but i tell you that the fields are ripe now for harvest and so the the fourth or the third part of that is is reaping where we actually get to see people come to faith in christ and mentioned it last week sometimes we feel like we're a voice in the wilderness as we share the gospel that's just kind of the way we feel we we share and we share and we, we don't know if we're planting the seeds or cultivating the seeds and and sometimes God allows us to reap a harvest, and that's great. 
Well, today, today we're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, and this is where John really begins his ministry. John is a really interesting character, okay? Um, it doesn't tell us in Luke, but we know from the other Gospels that John ate locust and wild honey. Now, there was a guy who tried to convince me one time, now you see in that part of the country there's a plant called a locust, and that's what it's talking about. And I'm like, no, I think the point of this is this guy's weird. John was an odd character. He, he was, he, he didn't preach. His ministry wasn't in the center of town. His ministry was out in the wilderness. I don't know if that was by choice or he just had to go there, but it was out in the wilderness. Anybody, anybody here had the privilege of going through bug scuffle yet? Anybody? Oh my, you guys have not lived. Um, John's been there, I know, because John was a sheriff's deputy here, and he got to go all kinds of places. Um, bug scuffle, if you go to, don't do this if it's raining or if there's snow or some guy like John. That's why John was there. He had to go get somebody. But go uh, down the high roads and go on West Side Road. Keep going on West Side Road, and at some point you'll go through bug scuffle. You'll end up near Timberon a couple of days later. Um, but... But John was preaching in the wilderness. And, you know, so for, for our context, John went out to bug scuffle or somewhere. He's out a ways. In order to get to hear him, you had to travel. He, he wasn't in the center of town. He wasn't the main attraction. He, he was weird. He ate locusts and wild honey. Some of you are going to skip lunch now, right? And he had a camel hair coat, not, not a sports jacket, not a blazer. But, but he had a, a, a tunic made out of camel hair, and he had a, this belt. This is a weird guy, okay? And people went out. Let's just go ahead and read. This is verse 7 of Luke chapter 3. He said, therefore, this is John, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. By, by the way, he was a really smooth talker, John was. Um, he just had this winsome way. I mean, people just loved to hear him speak. I'm, I'm teasing because you'll see what he says. He said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Basically, he says, you snakes. What? Did, uh, who did somebody who went to go beat the bushes to drive you guys out to get you guys to come here? Who warned you? You'll see in here, John was a harsh kind of guy, and yet God used that. I think God uses us in, in lots of different ways, in all of our different personalities and our, the, the way that we speak. Some people are just a lot more brazen than others, and sometimes that's what it takes to get through to the hearts of people. Not all the time. I wouldn't recommend this. Don't go out down Borough Street and start poke your head in the store and say, you brood of vipers. Don't do that, it's, all right? Here's what he says, verse 8, and, and this is really kind of, um, I'll say this and then I'll give you the big idea because I always forget to do that before I start. Verse 8 says this, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So what he's saying is you guys are coming out. Okay, I don't know who warned you, but you're coming out. But listen, I expect there to be some change. And so here's the big idea for today. That got to make sure I get it right. Once I say something once, it just kind of slips. So when you're changed on the inside, it will show on the outside. So you get that? Here's what John is saying to them. 
bear fruits in keeping with repentance. He's saying, look, if you're changed on the inside, it will show on the outside. That's what he's telling them. And so he goes on. He really begins now to bring it to bear. He said, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we are children, or we have, boy, a couple of different ways to say this. Um, do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as, your fa- as our father. What he's saying is, guys, don't think because you are Jews, that you're Israel, you're the nation of Israel, that you've got it made, that, that you're just in because Abraham is your father. And then he says something really kind of fun. He's poking fun at them. We could do this here because we have lots of rocks. He says, for I tell you, God is able even from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. But that's no big deal that you guys are children of Abraham. These rocks, God can raise them up to be children of Abraham. He's speaking metaphorically, although, you know, God can do what he wants. Even now, he says, verse 9, the axe is laid at the root of the trees and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So John is really, he's just being blunt with them. He's just being open. He's being super transparent with them. And and an amazing thing happens. God's spirit begins to work in the lives of these people. And, And so the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? If, if, if we're doomed, you know, that, that's kind of the idea. We're, we're done for. What shall we do? And I love John's response, and it's going back to verse 8. But John's response in verse 11 is, He answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. And you're thinking, okay. No big deal. Well, those are the normal people. These are the normal sinners. We're going to get into the big sinners here in a second. The normal sinners are just told to share. If you've got two tunics, share. If you've got extra food, share with the one who doesn't have any. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And so John says, well, he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. In other words, he wanted them to be the weird tax collector, this oxymoron that is a fair tax collector. You just collect what is due. And then the soldiers came. Now, these are Roman soldiers. So uh, I don't know if they're hated worse or more than the tax collectors, probably depended on the day and, and what interaction you had with them. Well, then the soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats, or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Here's what John is telling them. You guys are coming, and remember John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. The word repent means change. We think of it this way, that we're going that way. We stop, we turn around, and we go the other way. As far as it is with sin, we look at it as we stop sinning, we stop going towards sin, and we go turn and go the other way and go toward God, right? So John is saying, you're coming for a baptism of repentance, a baptism of change. Well, let me tell you, when you're changed on the inside, it'll show on the outside. That's what he's telling them. Now, now we know that that God has to do the work on the inside for the change with us. But John is saying, you can't be the same after this. You can't keep living the way you're living. You, you people, you brood of vipers. I, I love that. 
<laughs> you, you snakes, you can't be a snake anymore. If you're coming for repentance, then you have to change. There, it's going to show on the outside. If you're really changed on the inside, it's going to show. You can't be the same. Same thing to the tax collectors. Good grief. Can you imagine if you were a tax collector? And, and you came, and, 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 and I, believe, I believe, we don't know this for sure, but I believe that these are genuine questions. I think these people were being convicted. I think God was moving in their hearts. And I think those are real questions. So, so you're a tax collector, and you come and say, well, then what do I do? He says, we only collect what you're supposed to, no more. There was no such thing as a fair tax collector. You know, Matthew was a tax collector. When he changed, you know what he did? He left his booth behind. He left his table. He left it behind. There was no such thing as a fair tax collector. So imagine you're a tax collector. You're hated. You're considered a traitor to your country. That The Romans didn't really like them either. So, so they were the outcast. And now you're going to be the outcast from the outcast group. I'm not only a hated tax collector, but now all my tax collector friends are going to hate me because I'm going to do what's right and what's fair. And now I'm going to be kicked out of their group too. And then the soldiers. The, the soldiers, you've got to understand, uh, Rome ruled. If you were not a Roman citizen, you had no rights at all. Paul was a Roman citizen. That's why he appealed to Caesar, which was the highest appeal you could make. But you had no rights if you weren't a Roman citizen. And so they could do the soldiers whatever they wanted, and they exerted their power. In fact, I would say that they abused their power as Roman citizens. And so what, what John is telling them here, when these, I can, I don't know, I, I, I just, when I read my imagination, I, I can picture all this stuff. So this big, burly, you know, he's about Angelo's height and twice as wide, you know, pops, bulging muscles. I can just picture this big, burly roman soldier come up and say well then what do i do and here's john's response do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations be content with your wages here's what he's saying don't abuse your power only do what you're supposed to do treat people right well a roman soldier did that if they were actually kind they were wimps i don't know how you could be angelo's height twice as big and be a wimp i don't know how that works but paul was not asking these people to do simple things we think of it this way if i said hey so give a shirt to somebody who needs it if you're like me, man, I open my closet. In fact, I need to clean that out. Some of those things don't fit anymore. And, and I'm told if, if it hadn't fit in two years, it's not going to. So 10 years certainly isn't going to work for me. I just need to get rid of them. King's treasures, I know. But we don't think anything about that. If someone doesn't have a shirt, you give it to him. This is actually more like a jacket, the tunic. If someone doesn't have a jacket, you give it to them. I, I'll just confess to you guys that I may have a jacket problem. Our back door doesn't open all the way because of all my jackets on the back. My wife tells me I need to get rid of some. But, you know, we're in Cloudcroft. You need a jacket for when it's 40. You need a jacket for when it's 45 and sprinkling. You need a jacket for when it's 50. You know, that's getting hot around here. 
uh, when it's 50 and it's just raining, right? You know, so I, I've got a jacket for every degree and every... We don't think anything about this when it says if you have two tunics, you give it to the one who doesn't have one. We don't think about that. But let me let me try to put it into perspective for us. Are you guys ready? If you have two cars and there's someone who doesn't have one, you give your other car to them. Now, now that might make you pause a little bit, wouldn't it? That's what he's talking about here. These were no small things that, that he was asking these people to do. But the reason is, what the point he's getting across to them is when you're changed on the inside, it'll show on the outside. The, the message title this morning is Live Like You Mean It. And I think that's really what John the Baptist was trying to get across to them. Guys, you know, they say, what, what do we do? So, so if we're, we're doing what you say and we're going to repent, what do we do? I think John is saying to them, you guys need to live like you mean it. Because if you're changed on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. So what does that mean for us as believers? What does that mean? What should we expect for that to be? Well, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. You know these as the fruit of the Spirit. Now let me clarify something really quickly. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. I know we, you might have learned a song to help you help you memorize some of these and you know, the banana of joy, or I don't know, whatever. Uh, we kind of think about stuff like that. Don't think of it this that way. The fruit of the Spirit in the language of the New Testament really is talking about the result, what the Spirit produces in your life. See, produce, that still works. What the Spirit produces in your life. So the fruit of the Spirit, this is the product of the Holy Spirit in your life, and we know what they are, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Not not the little heart popping kind of some of you, some of you guys leaned a little closer to your wife when I said that. That was cute. Love the little heart. Not that kind of love. The fruit of the spirit is love. That that's a demonstrated action, right? The, the fruit of the spirit is joy. You can't muster joy up, can you? You know, hey you, joy. You know, we can say hey you love. But you can't do joy. These are things that the Spirit does in us. And, and the, the fruit that we see of that, that's what you see on the outside because you've been changed on the inside. So we see love demonstrated in your life. We see the joy demonstrated in your life. And then there's peace. Who needs peace in this day and age? Anybody? Um, I, 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 I was a teenager in the 80s. Okay? So I love watching, you know, stuff like Back to the Future and, and, and those kinds of things. But teenager of the 80s, and we had a song that we sang in the youth group. No one in the first service knew it. Let me see if you know this song. Okay, you guys ready? <clears throat> I, I should have had a drink of water, but I, I'll, I'll do my best. Peace, 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 just a little bit of peace. Anybody? Peace, 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 just a little bit of peace. Well, we don't need a whole lot, just more than we got. Nobody? Peace, 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 just a little. B Brother, we need, to, we need to learn this song. Now, now, that's what the youth sang. The youth workers had a different chorus that we would put in for them. And this usually was over on youth camp or on a mission trip. The youth workers would sing, sleep, sleep, 
sleep, just a little bit of sleep. We don't need a whole lot, just more than we got sleep. Okay. Well, we think of all kinds of funny things when we think about the fruit of the Spirit. But really what we need to know that this is just the, the, what the Holy Spirit produces through us. We can't muster this stuff up. So it's love, joy, peace, patience. You ever tried working on your patience, by the way? You ever thought, I need to work on my patience? That's silly. That's why God gave his kids, by the way. I saw that. Um, we don't work on our patience. God produces patience in us. And don't pray for it. Goodness. When I was a new believer, I prayed for patience and I prayed for humility. And I got the ugliest broken down car I've ever had in my life. I worked on it all the time. In fact, I was trying to be cool. I took a girl out on a date, and the first service didn't get this. This is your bonus for coming to the second service. Um, I took a girl out on a date, and I walk over to, to, to her side, and I opened the door, and she was so impressed. And I said, no, I'm sorry, my, my door won't open. I'm going to have to scoot across the seat. That's embarrassing. We don't work up patience. The Holy Spirit produces patience in us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then Paul adds something here that, that is really interesting. He says, against such things there is no law. What he's saying is, look, what the Holy Spirit does in your life, it's going to be winsome to people. There's no law against this. And in fact, um, I, I should have checked between, but I believe it was Pliny the Younger. Um, this is in the days of, of Nero, and so great persecution in the church. And 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 he was supposed to he was su- supposed to to help catch these Christians. You know, we we want to we want to get them, and and they were being thrown in prison and stuff like that, and far worse. And and so <laughs> Pliny writes to the emperor at the time, and and I'm just going to paraphrase this big time, but but he writes something like this. So you told us to investigate these Christians. And this is what we found. They gather together each week and sing praises to their God. And they make oaths not to defraud anyone. Not to steal. Not to commit adultery. (laughs) The implication is, I'm not sure what we're supposed to arrest them for. These might, be, these might be the best citizens we have. And, and what Paul is talking about here is that the Holy Spirit produces in our life the fruit of the Spirit. To, so if we're changed on the inside, it'll show on the outside. And how it's going to show is this way. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That was the easy part of the message. I'll go really fast for this last part. Good grief, where'd the time go? I'm going to push back against culture a bit. Because this is what our culture says. Our culture says, you're a Christian, that's okay. And that's good. You believe in Jesus, good for you. Our world says that your faith is private. That's okay, sure. Oh, let's don't mix church and state, though. Don't pray in school. Don't bring your Bible here. 
when when you come to work uh, your your faith you know that's a private thing you keep that to yourself well let me say this this is a pushback against culture but this is biblical your relationship with jesus is personal absolutely you can't respond for someone else in faith can you i wish we could i wish wish i could respond for my kids and they would have come to faith in christ earlier they they both have i i wish that for some family members that i could respond and they would they would come to faith in christ i can't they individually have to respond to the gospel to be saved that that that's a that's a very personal thing and that has to happen for each and every single person no one can respond for somebody else we wish but that's not the way it is so your faith is personal but it is not private you got that your faith is personal your your relationship with jesus is personal but it's not private never was it mentioned to be private in fact we're called uh jesus gives us what we call the great commission to go and make disciples of all the world baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus says, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you'll go out from here and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's why we're here is to share the gospel with people. The world says you keep it to yourself. But the Bible says the reason that we're here is because we're supposed to share it with others. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. And this is where it gets a little bit hard for us. Because we get a lot of pushback from our world in this. But what John is telling the people who came to him, what God is saying to us through his word is, if you're changed on the inside, it will show on the outside. You're not changed on the inside to keep it on the inside, but you're changed on the inside and it shows on the outside. I, the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus didn't condemn her, but he says, neither do I condemn you, condemn you, but go and sin no more. What he's saying is your life is changed. No one comes to faith in Christ and stays the same. Uh, the, the woman that was at the well. One of the funniest stories in the bible i think because she was a woman of ill repute you know that right and it says she went into town and here this was her testimony this is her witnessing technique are you ready i met a guy who told me everything i've ever done implication is with you and with you isn't that funny that's funny and the whole town turned out to see this guy her faith was not private Never do we see that in Scripture. So what does that mean for us? How do we translate that into our lives as a church, as individual believers? Here's what I believe that this means. It means it's probably going to cost you something. Because if we're changed on the inside, it'll show on the outside. And we're being called... I believe what John was really saying to those people is live like you mean it. So what do we do? You live like you mean it. Let your life reflect the change that ha- happened in your heart. And when you do that, it's going to cost you. I guarantee you it cost. If those people did what John told them to do, it cost them. 
And I believe it's the same for us, and maybe even more so at this time in the history of our nation than ever. I believe that if we live like we mean it, it's going to cost us. I, I, I printed this out. This is an article, by the way. You can go on the Facebook page, uh, FBC Clockcroft Facebook page. I forget what it's called. First Baptist Church Clockcroft Facebook. You can find it. And the link to this article is here. Th- this is the beginning of this article. As China continues its crackdown on religion, Christians in the communist country are fleeing for their lives. This was dated July 7. This is recent. This is now that this is happening. China's ruling Communist Party has carried out a widespread crackdown on all religious institutions in recent years, including bulldozing churches and mosques, barring Tibetan children from Buddhist religious studies and incarcerating more than a million members of Islamic ethnic minorities in what are termed re-education centers. President, and I won't even try to say his name, Xi Jinping, I don't know, who is also party leader, has ordered that all religions must sinicize to ensure they are loyal to the official aesthetic, I'm sorry, atheistic, party or face the wrath of the communist regime what that means is you can go only to a sanctioned church one that has sanitized all of their language so that they won't offend anybody and that they won't go against the party the communist party this is happening and this has been happening in china for a long time but it's still happening to this day I said in the early service, and I'll repeat here, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. If I'm wrong, we'll just all be happy, okay? But I believe that we may be on the verge of persecution, Christian persecution in our nation, like we've not experienced before. If I'm wrong, let's all go have a party. (laughs) Let's hope I'm wrong. But I think that that is where we may be. So, so let me ask you. Will you live it like you mean it? If it costs you your life? Somehow I think this may be the easiest of the questions that I'll ask this morning. I, I think for some reason, and, and I'm still wrapping my head around this just in, in my heart personally, but, but I think for some reason, this one may be the easiest. I, I think if someone walked in right now, put a gun to my head and said, deny Christ or die, I would say, let's do it. <laughs> take me home. <laughs> Lord Jesus, take my hand. <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. I, I don't think I would have a problem with that. Now, I'd be sad for my family. Um, I don't know. One less mouth to feed. There's this whole life insurance policy. No. Somehow, I, well, you guys laugh. My wife and I said, till death do us part, you get the life insurance that way. Anyways, I think that may be the easiest of these questions. Here's the next one. Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your family? All of them, not just the ones that you get to pick. Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your family? Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your job? If they say, all right, good for you, you're a Christian, 
but you need to keep it to yourself. No talking to your coworkers about this Jesus guy. Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your job? Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your home? That place that you live. Will you live like you mean it if it costs you your friends? Somehow that seems to get harder for me as I read through that list. I mean, friends, gosh, that's where I live, right? I mean, not my home, that, but... Will you live like you mean it, even if it costs you your friends? Let me ask you this question. This may be more real than we think. If it were illegal to gather here next Sunday to worship, what would you do? If next week... What we're doing right now, we're illegal. What would you do? Now, let me say again, for those who are live streaming at home because you have health concerns, I'm not talking about that at all. Uh, we have some that are for good reason are not gathering around crowds. Not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is, will you stop coming here because it became illegal? And, and we're, you know, we, we first... We go and think, that'll never happen in the United States. Are you kidding me? Do you know it already has? There was a period of time where what we're doing right now was, at least in some sense, illegal. What, what will you do? You see, what John was getting across to them and what we need to get into our lives is when you're changed on the inside, it will show on the outside. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. I, I can't find any example in Scripture where someone comes to faith in Christ and everything just goes right along like it was. I mean, gosh, the disciples are prime examples. James and John, Peter and Andrew left their businesses. Same with Matthew. He was a tax collector. He left his they left their homes, they left their families, they left everything to follow Christ. When you're changed on the inside, it shows on the outside. It just does. But let me challenge you this morning. Are you willing to commit today to God to live like you mean it? Whatever the cost. Are you willing to commit to that? Up until now in the United States of America, this probably wouldn't have cost us a whole lot. Maybe some friends. If you've ever dared go door to door, you ever done that? Knocking door to door and sharing Christ door to door with people. That's always what we think of when we think of evangelism. If you've ever dared to do that, whether in the U.S. or on a mission trip somewhere else, probably the worst that's happened is somebody was rude to you. Somebody hurt your feelings. Today in China, there are people who are fleeing for their lives. Will you live like you mean it no matter what the cost? I pray that your answer is yes. I'm going to pray for us, and, and when I do, here's the response that I want you to make to the Lord, that, that you just honestly come before the Lord and say, God, I, I want to live like I mean it. 
I want, I want you to change me on the inside, but I want that change to show on the outside. And God, I'm willing to pay the cost. Let's pray. Father, Lord, what a, what a hard message sometimes for us to hear. And yet, that's really the message that you gave to those who would follow you. You said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to be willing to lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. So, Father, I, I pray today that you would give us the courage and the boldness to do that. Lord, if there's someone here today or someone who's watching, um, Lord, on the live stream, who's never come to the place where they've given to their, their life to Christ, they've trusted in Him as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. Holy Spirit, just draw them to you. God, for many more of us, that this is something we almost just have to do every day. We have to, to lay down our lives and take up the, the cross. That, that means that we're willing to follow you even to death. And somehow, Lord, that seems to be easier for us than to be willing to lose some friends because of our walk with you. God, would you help us to live like we mean it? Would you change us on the inside? And, and Lord, let that change show on the outside to all around, not for our sake, but for your honor and for your glory and so that people would come to faith in Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen.